Amen. <laughs> Are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to First Thessalonians. Chapter 2. I want to talk to you today about encouraging your children to walk. You know, parents, one of your greatest things to do is when your children are learning to walk. Isn't that the, the fun part is to watch those little ones start, you know, how they, you know, those little babies when they're starting walking and they're just holding onto the table? Well, you have to encourage them to let go of the table, right? Well, uh, there are a few that just don't need that encouragement. They just uh, will take off on you and fall. I'm not telling you about encouraging them in the physical. I'm talking about encouraging your children how to walk in the things of the Lord. So let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting with verse 10. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers. This is Paul writing to the church of Thessalonica. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring to each of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now, what does that have to do with fathers? Well, Paul is saying this is what fathers do. He said, we were doing that to you in, in the spirit. We were fathering you. But he said, this is what fathers are supposed to do. So we were acting like fathers. Well, how many can look and say, well, I don't know, I don't know that fathers always act like this. Well, this is where we're, we're going to go today to find out how we can do what God expects us. As Now, we're talking to fathers, but this is mothers also. You understand? This is parents, okay? Okay, so it says that how we are exhorting, encouraging, and imploring to each one of you that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So our job as parents is to exhort our children. You know what exhort means? That means to, to urge them, to encourage them. Exhort is encouraging. Like Exhort is to speak the word to them, to speak good things. Our job is to encourage them. You know... There's a lot of kids that grow up with parents who just tell them all the time what a failure they are, what a disappointment they are. One day, I came home. We homeschool our children after they, they were in public school until God said he wanted us to start homeschooling them so they could travel with us because we were going out of the country a lot, and he wanted them to go preach with us. But in homeschooling, um, you have to be the teacher, you have to be the mother, you have to be like everything. And so I, I came home one day, and uh, and the Jonathan and Liberty were at the kitchen table, and I came home and I just walked in and started telling them what they were doing wrong, like here point after point. You're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing this, and it had to do with school. I mean, it wasn't it was school stuff. And because I was under stress, I wanted them to finish, I wanted them to get stuff done, yet I came in and it was point, point, point. And I, you know, that, that's what they heard from me. They didn't hear, hi, how y'all doing? How's your day going? 
It was, have you finished this? Have you finished that? Did you do this? Did you do that? And I remember that I went back and, and I, I mean, I was disappointed in them and I was, you know, frustrated. You ever been that way, parents? You know, that does happen. And uh, I, I just went into another room and the Holy Spirit said, that's what you're doing. Every time you see them, that's what they hear from you, what they've done wrong. Well, I'm, I'm trying to explain to the Holy Spirit. Do you ever try to explain to the Holy Spirit that he, he obviously doesn't understand? You need to explain your case. That, But, Lord, they need to know they got to finish that book and they got to do this report and they got to have this done and this done. If they don't do it, they're going to get behind and yank it and get it. You know what? The Lord doesn't answer that. You know, Jesus didn't say, Oh, I am so sorry, Brownie. I forgot. No, he said, you have to come in and you have to start encouraging them. Well, that was hard for my flesh because my flesh still wanted to get stuff done. But how many know that you can get more done with encouraging words than with criticism? Now, there is, there is training, there is teaching. I'm not talking about... Not ever correcting. I'm talking about making sure that, number one, you exhort and encourage your children. That they are encouraged by you. That they, that they know that you think that they're the best thing that ever happened. That when they walk in the room, your eyes light up. That they cause you to have great joy. That when, they, that when you are in their presence, they don't see disappointment on your face. They don't see anger on your face. They see, this person loves me unconditionally. Because, you know what, really, parents do love unconditionally. Sometimes we put conditions on other stuff, but really love from a, a, a godly parent is, is unconditional. You know, there's people in here today that your kids are not serving God right now or they're not doing some stuff but you it doesn't change your love for them does it you just love them you just love them do you want them to to do better do you want them to to uh change some stuff of course but let me give you a little hint Jesus wants us to change some stuff too our heavenly father he loves us doesn't he but he doesn't I don't know, maybe he does with you, but he doesn't get up every day and when I get up and when I go to the Lord in prayer in the morning, he doesn't say, you are doing everything exactly right. You never mess up. I am just so proud of you. No, he might say he's proud of me, but he corrects me because he loves me. But that love is unconditional. So he says a father should be exhorting, encouraging, and imploring. And really that imploring means, uh, literally, it means testifying to. Testifying to how to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You know, your kids need to hear what God's done in your life. Remember I talked about this a couple of weeks ago about memorials. You need to, you know... They set up memorials and it said, so that when your children ask, 
these memorials they set up in the old covenant and the you know as they were going into the promised land and different things one of the reasons god says is when your children ask you can tell them what god has done and so we talked about how we must we must rehearse we must remind our family of what god's done for us amen i i i rem- if you'll do that with your children, your children will do it back to you. When you need encouragement, they'll encourage you. I remember a time when, when um, we were in Edmonton and there was a there was a bad situation and and uh, we were at the hospital in Edmonton and I remember just feeling like I'm so discouraged. Now, you know, I shouldn't have felt like that, but that's how I felt. It just seemed like. What am I going to do? And I remember Jonathan. I remember being on this little bridge in the University of Alberta Hospital. And uh, I remember I was on that bridge just just feeling like, I can't do this, God. I just can't do this. And I remember Jonathan coming up and saying, Mom, we're Bounds's. We're the Bounds family. And God does miracles for the Bounds family. And he started reminding me that the time when I broke my back and they said I wouldn't walk again how God healed my back and I went walking and leaping and praising God he reminded me of the time in 98 when the doctors and the the medical people said I was going to die and I lived he reminded me of times when we didn't have the money to do something but God came through he just reminded me of what I needed to be reminded of. So if you train your children, then they'll come back and remind you too. And it'll be a a great circle of love, amen, where we are all reminded of what God has done. The greatest things that you can do for your family is to rehearse how good God's been in your life. And speak it openly. You know... Thank God openly. Remind your children. This is the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. You know what? I was thinking about it as, as a child and, and uh, the times when we, we were, didn't have much food. And I, I remember, you know, just my mama saying, that it's okay, God's going to provide. It's okay, God will take care of it. And then there'd be a knock on the door, and there would be people bringing in groceries from our little church. Well, as a child, I remembered that. I remembered what it was like when we were out of groceries, but then God would send somebody with groceries. I remember the time when we were in in foster homes, or you know, homes we were staying with other people because our parents were were uh, down in another city where my dad was very 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 sick and so they had put us in different homes and it's christmas time and i remember just thinking well it's christmas and we won't get any presents because we know our parents aren't even around and these people they're not going to give us presents and what did that little church do they went and bought used three used bicycles and the men at night would come over and work in this little garage of one of the homes and they fixed up bicycles for us and 
We didn't know it. And I remember that Christmas morning. Because this is an older couple. And because we were in different homes, they said, well, you need to spend Christmas together. That's three kids. So you're going to stay with the Winchell family. The Winchells were old people. And, you know, my little thought was I was in third grade. And I'm thinking, oh, they don't even have any kids. Like, this is going to be fun. But they were the most loving people. But I remember Christmas morning getting up, and the first thing I saw was a big bride doll this tall. Somebody had bought a bride doll for me. And then someone bought me a, a real china tea set. I still have it. I still have the doll. Uh, because there was something that was like from God. And, you know, my brothers got, I don't know what they got because... Little kids don't pay attention to what brothers get. I know what I got. But I remember thinking, how does this happen? How, how do these people do this? Like, because I, I thought, how do they have money? Who has money? Who, who can buy presents? But then I remember Mr. Winchell said, come on, kids, I want to take you outside. Now, in Texas at Christmas, you can go outside and ride bicycles. <laughs> and I remember Mr. Winchell taking us out, and they brought those three bikes out. Mine had a little basket and the little, little, little things on the, what do you call those little streamers? That's right. And, um, you know what? That spoke so much to me that even today, that's why I still am the one that wants to do the Christmas hampers and make, I, I do that because it, I, you know, it's been, uh, over 50 something years since that happened, but it still is ingrained in me. That that was God. God did that for us. When we had no father or mother to take care of us, when we had no money, God gave us a good Christmas. You have to remember what God's done. And if you're sitting here today and saying, I can't think of anything God's done, well, I'm telling you, you're not thinking right. Because I promise you, God's done some good stuff for you. And if you'll stay with God, He'll do greater things for you. Because that's the kind of God He is. He's a good God. Amen? So we're supposed to testify to our children what God has done so that they'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. But you know what? Children will imitate you. Amen? Yeah. You know what? Some people see Jonathan, and they the people that have, have known uh, were here when, when Pastor David was on this earth. And they, they say to me many times, he has so many mannerisms just like his daddy. He's, you know what? He doesn't think about that. He doesn't say, okay, I'm going to, you know, like at his wedding, Rhonda was talking about this, and she saw it on a, a picture, but... David, when he would raise his hands to the Lord, he always did his hand back like this. His hand, he never did this. It was always like this. When Tia and Jonathan were having prayer over them, they were both, their hands were lifted, and Jonathan's hand went like that. Well, I'm sure Jonathan didn't say, I need to do my hand like my daddy. <laughs> but he has mannerisms like his father. Children imitate their father. Hunter wants to be like his daddy. And Justice, too, I'm sure. We're hoping J.L. will try to be like Mama. But (laughs) 
But you know, your children, sometimes that's the thing that really gets you because you see what you don't like in you in your children. I remember Liberty was about three and my mama was visiting and I went, that child, I'm telling you. She, I mean, she was being stubborn and she was, I, I was like, oh. I said to my mother, I don't know what to do with that child. Mother said, she's just like you. That's just what you did. My mother was quite happy about it. Good on you. You're having to put up with that now like I did. That's what we don't want. We don't want our children to take up our bad habits. But they will imitate us. So our job is to love God and honor God and try to do our best to follow God. And when we mess up, you know what? It's okay to go to your children and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I was, that wasn't God. That was me. That was my flesh. I'm sorry. You know, saying sorry to your children is not a, a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. To say, I, I wasn't doing that right. Forgive me. Sometimes you need to go back, and it might be years later, and you need to say, I was wrong. Forgive me. Amen? That's very big. So we're to exhort, encourage, and implore or testify to our children to walk in a manner worthy of God. Why? Why is that important? Let's look at Luke 1, verse 17. This is Jesus talking. Why is it important? Well, we can think of many reasons. But here's a good reason that Jesus brought up. Luke 1, and actually Jesus is quoting out of Malachi 4. Luke 1, verse 17. Hallelujah. He's talking about John the Baptist. Well, actually, this is not Jesus talking. This is, this is uh, the angel talking to Zacharias. But he's talking about John the Baptist. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The reason that fathers' hearts have to be turned back to their children and children's hearts to their fathers is not so everybody can have a feel-good party. It's not for everybody to go, yay, that just gives me fuzzy feelings. No, it is to turn disobedience around and to have a people prepared for the Lord. There's the point. If, if my heart is right towards God, then my heart will be right toward my children. And if my heart is right toward my children, my children's heart will be right towards me. Because it's a, it's a law of sowing and reaping, isn't it? Now, it might not be obvious at first. It might be some challenging times. But if you'll stay on the Word, if you'll believe God, it will happen. It will happen. Because the Word is true. And God says, this is what's going to happen. Malachi talks about it. And then the angel of the Lord's talking about it. He's talking to Zacharias about it. Because he's talking about John. John was a forerunner. But John, what did John preach? Repentance. If there's no repentance, there's no turning. Because what is repentance? It means to turn, doesn't it? 
to turn and change your thinking. Is that right? So without repentance, then there cannot be a heart turned toward another heart. So parents, what are we to do? We need to repent and have our heart right towards God. You know, I was raised like this, and this is how they raised kids in the 50s. Lots. You do as I say, not as I do. My daddy could smoke like a, I mean, he just, my daddy was dying in an oxygen tank, oxygen tent, and he snuck a cigarette in there. Like, that's crazy. (laughs) But my daddy had a cigarette in his hand all the time. And then my daddy could out-cuss anybody. Now, he, I mean, he was a leader in the church. We, in our church, we had smoking breaks. Jonathan, do you remember seeing those old movies? Uh, we were showing the kids old movies from someone had taken like Super 8 movies or whatever they were back in those days of our church. And, and uh, it's between Sunday school and church. And all the men, here's, you know, they're just taking the movies like this is our church. And so they're, they're out in the yard and they, here's, the, here's the men coming out on the porch. And all getting their cigarettes out and smoking, or their cigars. And my kids, I remember when they first saw, they're like, "I thought this was church." <laughs> well, yeah, it was just a little different. But you know what? My daddy said, "I better not ever catch you with a cigarette in your mouth," and he never did. I thought they were stinky. I didn't ever. I, I put a cigarette in my mouth one time because I was in a car with a friend. And her mama was driving down, and she was smoking, so she gave me the cigarette so she wouldn't get in trouble with her mama. I just about died. Now, I did smoke a grapevine when I was little, because my brother said, we won't get in trouble if we smoke grapevines. (laughs) But you'll get the same kick as a cigarette, he said, but we won't be in trouble. Again, I almost died. But my daddy taught, that's how we were raised. Do as I say. I said, well, Daddy, you cuss. I remember one, one time I just worked it up like, I think I'm going to cuss. I thought about it. I thought about what word I'd use. I'm going to cuss. And I did, and my Daddy just about beat me. I mean, he, did, he didn't hit me, but I would have rather been hit. He was so mad at me. I said, but Daddy, you cuss. He said, now that's what we call it. I know some people say swearing and cursing, but in Texas you say cussing. And so my daddy said, you do as I say, not as I do. And that's how we were raised. That's not scriptural. No, it's not. What Jesus came to show us the Father, right? Jesus showed us how to live. Jesus showed us this is what a Christian does. Amen? A Christian, a believer... Lays hands on the sick, they recover. A believer casts out devils. A believer speaks in new tongues. A believer preaches the gospel. This is what believers do because Jesus showed us this is how it is. Jesus didn't say, you know, he didn't get up, you know, and say, well, I I don't feel like raising the dead. I don't feel like healing the sick. But you've got to do that. No, he showed us the Father. That's what we do. Not only for our children, but for others around. We have to show them Jesus. Paul said we are epistles or books 
read of all men. Joshua sang it in his, his song this morning that we're the Bible that our children are reading. You know, if you're always telling your children something like, this is what I was told, God's going to be mad at you for that. God's not going to like you for that. I heard that all the time. I thought, I must be the greatest disappointment to God that ever walked the earth. Because it felt like, now I'm sure it wasn't true, but to me, it seemed like my mother was always telling me God was disappointed in me. God was mad at me. The point of the matter, the Word says He's not angry with us. He's not angry. He's not an angry God. The, the curse has been broken. Jesus, I mean, God doesn't like sin, but He loves sinners. He loves you and I, amen? But He is showing us how to walk worthy of the calling of God, amen? All you got to do is read about Jesus. Jesus said, I've come to show you the Father. So if you think God is this angry old man, then does do you see that in the Scriptures? No. God, First John talks about God is love. Amen? God is love. Let me read this to you in the Amplified. Uh, just that last part. It, it says that... Uh, Fathers, the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient and incredulous and unpersuadable. You ever had anybody that you feel like is just unpersuadable? God says it can turn. Unpersuadable to the wisdom of the upright, which is the knowledge and holy love of the will of God. Do we have a holy love to do the will of God? I think that's a great statement. A holy love. For the will of God. That's big. Because I can love God. And God says if you love me. You'll do my commandments. But I also. That encompasses. If I love God. Then I have a holy love. For the will of God. I love the will of God. I don't fight the will of God. I want the will of God. What's God saying for me to do? That's what I want to do. Amen. He says. Um which is the knowledge and holy love of the will of God in order, here it is, this is, what, this is the reason we have to do this, in order to make ready for the Lord a people perfectly prepared, in spirit adjusted and disposed and placed in the right moral state. That's why your heart has to be toward your children and your children's heart turned towards you is so that they're prepared in spirit, adjusted and disposed in place in the right moral state. Let me tell you, the morals of our nation are trash right now, but that is not permanent. That is not the will of God, and we can change that. But it's going to be changing. First of all, we have to change our hearts. Amen? You can't change other people until your heart's right. You can't say, well, you know, how many of you uh, married people have ever gone to God and prayed about your spouse and like, God, can you just fix them, please? Anybody ever done that? Well, Josh is the only, only honest person. I'll raise my hand, too. We'll just have a conversation, Josh. How many have ever done that? You prayed? For your spouse. And you don't pray. This is how you pray. God, 
Can you talk to them? Can you fix this? Because they're just not acting nice. I don't know what they've got in their head, but you've got to talk to them. Have you ever prayed like that? You know you have. And has God ever said, I'm going to do that right now. I never had God. I would go to God and say, God, would you talk to David? Because I knew God, uh, David would listen to God. He wouldn't listen to me sometimes, but he'd listen to God. So I'd say, God, would you talk to David? And tell him. I tell God what to tell him, by the way. <laughs> would you talk to David and tell him? And you know what God would do? He'd be silent for a few minutes, and then he'd say, Brownie, you need to do sa-da-da-da-da. And it's like, we're talking about David here. God, not one time, not one time, we were married 26 plus years, not one time did I ever pray for God to change David, and God said, okie dokie. Not one time. But I can tell you, every time, and it would just rip me off sometimes, every time I went to God to say, change David, God would say, this is what you need to change, Brownie. So I just got smart and learned, it doesn't help to go tell God how to change David. I need to go to God and say, what do you need me to change? Because he's not going to talk to me about David. You know what? That's in, in relationships anytime. It's with your bosses. It's with people in your life. You go to God and say, God, would you do something with this person? You know, God never says, okay, let me do something with them. He always says, this is what you can do to make it better. Amen? Well, if you'd start loving them, they would change. Oh, God, I've tried that. No. First John 2.13 See, the reason God wants us to change our hearts and get our kids' hearts changed is so that there's a people prepared for God. This is all about getting a preparation. 1 John 2, and this is in 13 and 14, says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I've written to you, children, because you know the Father. Verse 14, I've written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you're strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you've overcome the evil one. Here's the point. Both of those scriptures say, I'm writing you, fathers, because you know him. Fathers and mothers, it is very important that we know him. If we're going to be able to influence our children... And those other children that God put... See, you might not be a physical father, but you can be a spiritual father. You can be a father to fatherless people. Amen? So it doesn't have to be like come out as your seed, but God is saying that it's important that we know Him. It's important, number one, that we know Him. He, it was so important that He said it twice. Amen? Fathers... You know him. Well, if you know him, then you will love him. And if you love him, you're, you will cause those who are around you to love him. 
Ephesians 5, we talked about this a while ago, but it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. So our job is to imitate God, and that means imitate Jesus because he was God come in the flesh, right? So we imitate Jesus, and our children will imitate us. You know what? If you have an anger problem and you explode in anger, don't be surprised if your kids explode in anger. If you are a person that just won't talk, you just clam up and it's like you're not going to deal with it. You just, you know, have yourself a little, you know, whatever. You just won't talk. Don't be surprised if your children do that. Your children will imitate you. So that's why you have to find out how to live for God. It's so important. You cannot play with this. You cannot just say, well, you know, I I go to church. That's good enough. Well, thank God you do go to church. Because that's another, another example of showing your children this is how we serve God. But there's so much more. One scripture that the Lord brought to me yesterday when I was just praying over this about the children that came to Jesus. Remember when the little children came to Jesus and and the disciples were telling them, don't bother Jesus, you know? Don't bother him. And Jesus used this terminology. It's in Mark 10. I'll just read it to you. They were bringing children to him so that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. He rebuked the children and the people bringing the children. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The Lord said to me yesterday that we must not ever hinder children from coming to God. You know how we hinder them sometimes? Oh, we get them so booked up and everything, so busy, that there's no time for church. There's no time for youth group. There's no time for... Uh, children's camp. There's, we're hindering our children. You know, I've seen parents where their kids are begging them, "Can we please go to church?" And the and the parents are saying, "No, we're going. We got to do this. We're going here. We're going there." You cannot hinder your children. What's other hindrances? Other hindrances would be your own heart issues. Amen. Again, your heart issues. That you would hinder your children. And so Jesus said very plainly, it said he was indignant about it, do not hinder children from coming to me. Listen, do you know that there's those little kids that are down in Super Kids Academy this morning? They're watching you. And they want to be like you. You might not be their daddy or their mama, but they, they, watch, they watch the people on the praise team. I watch them. Sometimes they got their guitars going. Sometimes they got their their bongos. When Liberty was here this last month, I saw some kids. Man, they they got that. They're they're banging the seats. They they like that. I remember when when um, Jonathan got spiked hair, and I, I didn't like it. Then we had guest speakers come and go. You have the coolest hair, and I'm like, stop. He had bleached, spiked hair. And uh, his daddy was okay with it. I wasn't. But daddy was the ruler and daddy won and so did John. But but I remember the little boys wanted to be like John. I think Caleb was one of them that wanted to spike his hair and be like John. We influence people. 
with the way we wear our clothes, with what we do. Those little kids are watching you. And if you lose your temper and start yelling, that means something to them. If you're, if you're down there and you're in nursery or you're in children's church and you act mad at them, those kids, that is not good. If you're mad about something, deal with it before you get to minister. Because never minister out of anger. Never minister out of hurt. Never minister. Well, the same thing. Don't, don't discipline your children out of anger. Never discipline your children when you're angry. That means, what's that mean? Sometimes you've got to go. <laughs> we, our, our place where we disciplined our children was the guest room. No wonder our kids didn't like the guest room, eh? But, but sometimes it was like, you go to the guest room, and then I'd have to go to my room. And they'd have to wait. Why? Because I was angry. I had to get that anger off from me so that I could discipline them. Well, God doesn't discipline us in anger. He disciplines us in love. Do you think we ever disappoint God? If God, You know, I'm not sure that God can be disappointed. I think that's like a fleshly thing. Don't you? But I think that we that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We know that. But I think that we must endeavor to please the Lord. To please the Lord. So Jesus said, do not hinder the children. So we have to be conscious that children are watching us. Children are watching us. New believers, children that are children in the Lord, like spiritual children, are watching us. We cannot just be have our little hissy fits or our little, you know, whatever, temper tantrums or, or as Jesse DePlantis says, our fit of carnality. You can't do it. You've got to say it's not worth it because somebody is watching. I must control myself. And if you don't, just go to the Lord and ask him to forgive you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I've got some more, but I just want to, let's just, Finish off with this. Genesis 18. One of the things that God was was so pleased with Abraham. Abram. One of the things that really impressed God with this was Genesis 18:19. He tells why he's chosen Abram to be the father of many nations. Here's an old man that nobody thinks will ever have children. And God says... I think this is interesting. Here's a man who's never had children, and God sees in him something that nobody else sees. Because nobody else can even see him as a father, but God goes further than just seeing him as a father. He says in Genesis 18, verse 19, For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. God says, I've chosen him because I know he'll command his children. That's so important. Your, your assignment on this earth is many times linked to will you command your children. And I don't mean that's not the dictator. That is meaning to keep the commandments, to show them, to teach them. The Bible says in Proverbs, train up a child in the way they should go, and even when they're old. 
See, we used to, in King James it says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. So this is how it used to be taught. You train up a child, in other words, you get them in Sunday school, you get them in church, but they're going to go through their wild period, and, and you know, when they get the teenage years. But don't be discouraged, because when they're old, they'll come back. They don't have to do that, you know. It really says that train up a child in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they won't depart. In other words, they will not depart if we'll train them. Now, every child becomes an adult and has a a free will. God never made robots. God doesn't make grandchildren. You know what I mean? I mean, spiritually. We all become children of God. Amen? Some people say, well, are you a Christian? Well, I'm a Christian. My, my mama was a Christian. My daddy was a Christian. My grandma was a Christian. So I'm a Christian. That doesn't make you a Christian. So each person has a choice. But my job as a parent is, was to train my children and believe God that they would make right choices and to be an example to them. And then when they were old enough to make the decision... They chose. And if they had chosen not to follow Jesus, that I would have to keep my faith on that, amen, because I would say this is a promise of God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is a promise of God. You and your household shall be saved. This is a promise of God. My children, it's a, the Bible says it's a curse that our children go out and serve other gods. And then it says we're redeemed from the curse. So I... I am redeemed from the curse that my children would serve other gods. The Bible says that he will bring our children back to their own territory. So today, be encouraged. Maybe things aren't just hunky-dory. Maybe things aren't just great with you and your family. But let me tell you, you get your heart right. That's the key. Get your heart right. And believe God for Him to intervene. Maybe you're here and you're not, you don't have a good relationship with your father. I'm telling you, God can change that in a moment. Amen? God can turn that around. Many times we talk to parents about bring, believing God for their children, but I remember I had to believe God for my parent. My daddy had already uh, gone, he had already passed away, but I remember that I wanted my mother to be filled with the Spirit to follow the things of God, even though she was a Christian woman. But I wanted her to know the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so I had to believe God. So you're here today, maybe you're believing God for your children, but maybe you're believing God for your parents. The same God can do this. He can bring together families with the anointing of God. So that the, you know, the enemy is out to take families, to tear families up. He's out, the, our society teaches our children to be rebellious. But God says that rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And we're redeemed from that. So you take courage today. You have hope today. That God wants us what we're we talking about, to encourage our children to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Amen? To testify to them. And never stop loving. No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, never determine 
let that never determine your love level. You love. Bottom line. A child, they might be two or they might be 42, needs to know, I will always love you. Because why? Because God will always love us. Amen? A child needs to know, you are never without love. You know, my mama is 89 years old, and sometimes she's not sure where she is. But one thing I do know, at 4 o'clock every day, it used to be 4 in the morning, now it's 4 in the afternoon. Things change when you get older. 4 in the afternoon. I know. My mother, she might not can read her Bible, but she has someone that comes in at 4 o'clock. Because she, she, will, she will buzz that button till someone comes. And she will tell that nurse or that assistant, it's time for my devotions. And they have to read her her devotion. And then she says, now we're praying for my kids. And we're praying for my grandkids. Four o'clock every day. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what her day is. I know my mama is used to, like I said, used to be four in the morning. I knew my mama was praying. Now it's four in the afternoon. But praise the Lord, she might not, she might not know a lot of stuff, but she still that mother's prayer is still going on. She asked me, "Why am I still here on this earth?" She's kind of mad at me and Jesus because she wants to go to heaven, and she can't understand why she's still here. I told her when. Just in March when she celebrated her 89th, she said, I said, happy birthday. She just was kind of grump and said, this is the last one. I don't understand why I'm still here. I said, well, I still need prayer, Mama. Of course, she just immediately went, well, I pray for Jonathan every Sunday when he goes to Loon Lake. I pray for Loon Lake. I pray angels around that car every Sunday. I'm saying, I just said, I need prayer. She goes to Jonathan. You gotta love them. The other day, I call her. Hi, mom. How you doing? I, I'm okay. How's Liberty? I said, Why don't you ask me how I am? How's Liberty? Liberty's fine. She's right here. But this is what I'm saying: is we must continue to pray for our our children. You'll never, until you leave this earth, you'll never stop praying for your children if you love God because that God puts that in you. And children, can I say this? Don't stop praying for your parents. Even if they're doing great, if they're serving God and everything looks fine, you pray for your parents every day. Pray one for another, the Word says. Amen. Hold that prayer, family prayer and if you're here today and say, well, I don't, have, I don't have mother, I don't have father, I don't have children. Let me tell you, you're in the family of God. you got family. And you got people praying for you. You're not without hope. And Jesus said that God would be a father to the fatherless. God would be a father to the fatherless. The Word says He will be a father to the fatherless. You're never without a father. You're never without a father. Today, you know, sometimes on this on this day, people start feeling sorry. You know, you, you can get into a pity thing. You start feeling sorry for people whose fathers have passed away or people whose fathers have, you know, left them and rejected them. And 
We can't, that's not, a, that's not a way to go. We can have compassion. But feeling sorry is not going to help them. What we need to do is say, Jesus, fill in the gap. Jesus, provide everything they need. Amen? So that they have that sense that they're never without a father. Never without a father. But then, you know what? We need to rise up and be a father to those. Help those children. Encourage those children. Amen? And maybe there's, there's people here that are far away from their children. How about let's be children to them. Make them our grandparents. Make them our aunts and uncles and encourage them. It's all about the love of God. It's all about the love of God. So what did the scripture say in First Thessalonians? That we should exhort, encourage, and testify or implore our children to walk in a manner worthy of God. And then Jesus said that about turning the father's hearts to the children, the children's hearts to the father. Why? So that there would be a people prepared for the Lord. That repentance would come and there would be a people prepared for the Lord. What a day that we need people prepared for the Lord. Amen.